just to get introductions out of the way, I'm Doug Fullington. I'm manager of audience education here at PMB, and I am one lucky guy tonight because I get to talk with Lorraine Tyge Haskell, who is our costume shop manager. Lorraine, thank you. Um, Lorraine has yes, please. <laughs> Lorraine has been head of our shop for a long time. The whole time that I've been at PMB, which is a while now. Uh, since 87, as shop manager. Yes. And mm -hmm. since 83, coming on to PMB. Yes. So that's the first thing I want to ask you about, is how did that happen? Well, it's Mark Zappone's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I've told the story many times, but Mark and I had met in 82. Uh, he was doing some costuming around town, and. Um, somebody introduced me to him, and um, the rest is history. You know, I, he got a, he got jobs at various places around town, and then he would uh, he would bring me in and say, "Come on, they got work. Let's do it." <laughs> Taught me to use an industrial machine late at night in the uh, base, basement of an old theater, and uh, he said, "Just tell them whatever they ask. Just tell them yes, you can do it." And so I was like, "Yes, I can do that." Yeah, I've done that. Oh, feathers, no problem. Um, so then Mark got a job with, with Pacific Northwest Ballet, cutting a ballet. He was draping or cutting the ballet, and then I was stitching it. And then the next season, the beginning of 83, 84, he took over the shop manager and hired me, and I was a stitcher there. And then I became his assistant. And when he went off to do other things and went to Europe, I took the management. And that was 87? Yeah, 87, 88. Right, so 32 years ago. Yeah, and I was thinking about it the other day. I think we opened a midsummer that year, and I was going to check that, but the old midsummer. Yeah, the yeah. Karinska. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to ask that. What What did you come in with, skills wise? I could sew. Right. <laughs> I learned a lot about feathers. <laughs> um, I basically had sewing skills, and I had learned from my mother. I was not. I was not uh, taught in any other way, just a home sewer. Um, but I'd learned a lot from her. Um, and I just kept trying to learn new things as I needed to. And 83 was the uh, Sendak Nutcracker. That's right. Here. That's right. We were, uh, it was being built out of town, but we were building elements of it. Mm -hmm. And I was recovering horses from the um, Prior Nutcracker, the oh. Christensen Nutcracker had horses yeah. in it as well, and so we just adapted those horses with new decor. I did not. And I had that. and I had never done anything like that. It was very craft oriented, and I was it's like those were eighty hour weeks, and I just remember people would look at me and I would start crying. Oh. <laughs> it was kind of that way. That that opening year with that Nutcracker was really rough. Everything was coming in very last minute. So, our shop, as you know, has a very good reputation. If you don't know, our shop has a very good <laughs> reputation. Um, we know it, the company knows it, and in talking to you know, folks that work in the shop, they know it too. They said they just know. They know that, that, that the, the expectation is high, that we want to put out the best product that we can, uh, we wanted to serve the choreography and what the designer wants to have. We wanted to work for the dancer, and we, we want to be proud of it. And uh, how's that happen? 
<laughs> well, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure that I know. Um, you know, I've always tried to show that I believe in what we're doing very much. I consider it a very respectful and high art form. I love the art of dance. I have a lot of respect for the dancers and uh, what they do and all the work that all of us put together to make a performance happen. And I, hopefully that helped translate. We, we all worked on it together in the beginning. We all tried to make it better. And I think trying that continual trial, trying to make it better than it was before. And not saying that's the way we've always done it and yeah. that's, we have to do it. It's like, how do, we, how do we do it this time that could be better? Yeah. And so we did a lot of work in the early days to try to improve the product, to make the patterns work better, to see what we could do to make the dancers feel better and also to make their clothes function better for them. Right. So it was sort of a drive we all felt, I think, was to just keep improving on the work yeah. until it sort of became our ethos. Right, right. We have a lot of uh, longevity in the in the shop and in the wardrobe, and of course that speaks so well of of you and of the of that aesthetic. Um, when you you've talked to me a little bit about this, but when you, you bring someone on. Uh, how does that work? Are you looking for a particular person to do something, or what? What are you looking for when you're bringing someone on, and how do they how do they sort of develop into a place or the role that they're going to fill? Well, usually people are hired for specific jobs. You know, they, we bring in perhaps someone on an overhire position, and they would be um, asked to stitch. Generally, that's the beginning. That's where people often start. But other people come may come in as you know as a draper or cutter or someone with more skill. And um, you know, it's how do they work in that shop? Some people have developed skills that just sort of they became inserted into the shop, sort of very smoothly, and it just worked. And sometimes that doesn't happen, and it, you know, it doesn't. So, but those people, I think, who who were there early, just found a spot for themselves. I think a lot of ways we find our own place. And, and stay. And it's not because it's comfortable, but I think usually it's because it really does work. And there, there is a real spot and a need that this person fills and they, have, they feel good there. And um, I don't know. I'm not sure that really explains anything. <laughs> no, I, I think it does. It, 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 you've said the same to me too about how you know, people come in with the, the skills they have and that they either stay there or they might learn something else and then feel, begin to fill a, a spot where it's working with headpieces or making tights or working on stretch. Or yeah, I think, you know, we have a lot of different, we all do a lot of little different things and it's sometimes that opportunity to do a variety of things shows you the way that you should be growing and moving as an as a artist. Mm -hmm. People are allowed that. We try, try to within, within the context of the show. Yeah. The show's needs. Yeah. That's always sort of the first thing. So you've you've worked on dozens and dozens <laughs> of builds, large scale, small scale, over this period of time. Um, we've moved from Good Shepherd Center to Phelps next door, and um, I mean, what, what I'm trying to get at is what what's want to ask about what's changed over time. That's kind of too big of a question. 
Yeah, it's that's a big question. I mean, I'm 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 more prepared today than I was in 1987. Sure. <laughs> um, just experience it has changed for all of us, but also having um, seen it done so many times. Yeah. I, I don't know that it's um, and I mean the work that we do is similar, but we every time. There's certain ways that we've done things all, all along, and certain things we've changed. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about the. Uh, I, I do. We'll talk about Midsummer, but a little bit more broadly. Um, I've always been fascinated by the Bibles, the costume Bibles that are kept, that have the information in them about, um, you know, all kinds of things. I think people would love to hear about that. Those really show a lot of the uh, scope of the work. I think. Right. Yeah. Well, I remember the first Bible I. I'd never heard of a Bible when I started, by the way. So you're yeah. probably wondering why I'm talking about. A Bible is, is, and many of you know what that is, that you've seen it, but it's the, the book that tells us, has the original sketch and it has all the original fabrics and has notes about the yardage in Christ and width and died, dying and what was done to it. You know, So as many notes as you can take about a garment are put into the Bible and as many samples of the original fabrics and then the dyed fabric or manipulated fabrics are put into the, and trims, etc. Are put into the Bible, and that becomes your, you know, your Bible for the show, the show Bible. And um, I know in 1989 we built Firebird, and we were still at the home of the Good Shepherd, but we were, we were in several shops around town, like you and at the Rep, and because it was a, a full-length size um, production, it took a lot of work and space. And the Bible that I did for that was pitiful. Just pitiful, and it has practically no. If you might as well not have one, <laughs> because I didn't understand how important it was to collect things a lot as you go along to to put in there. Um, a lot of people have done our Bibles. I know Pauline did a lot of Bibles for uh, Marty and the, and work when she was assisting him. Robin did a lot of our Bibles recently, and now Melita's um, been putting Bibles together for this um, second half of this season. So it's just a matter of collecting this information and putting it in a, all in one place in an organized fashion. I love that the uh, that you keep where you bought something, which makes total sense. But I don't know that I would think about that and what it cost at the time. Yeah, the the cost is probably less than important, but we have gone back to original sources and they have still have the fabric. Not always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you walk us through a little bit? You've worked with many, many designers, but I mean, we could go right to Midsummer and talk about working with, with Marty, but um, in collaborating with a designer who's going to work on whether it's a full length or, or something smaller, and so a little bit about what the process is, what your role is, and how do you kind of how you manage that collaboration with someone kind of from the outside? Well, there's a couple, I mean, some designers have come to us without assistance. Some designers have come in with assistants who do a lot of what I sometimes do. You know, and sometimes we have had people in the shop who have been assistants to the designer. But it's the the main thing that I feel like I do is to have that early conversation with them about what they're expecting. Um, looking at all the drawings, all the sketches, what they imagine it's going to look like, um, how they you know, if they have any other notes on it and then thinking about each of those pieces and how those are going to fit into the shop and where they're going to work and who might take on that 
part of the project and starting to develop that. Um, also talking about the fabrics that they're envisioning and where we might source those if they have ideas where to get them. If they're going to shop it, if we're going to shop it together. Marty and I shopped a lot together, which was really, really wonderful, but that doesn't always happen. I know for Swan Lake with Paul Teswell, he did most, he and or his assistant did most of the shopping on the East Coast. Um, Jerome Kaplan for our Giselle shopped it all in Germany, you know, because he lives in Europe, so that was easy yeah. and had it shipped to us. So it, it really, the, the work with the designer can really vary depending on their style and how they're used to working or the needs of the show. Um, what happens in a situation where a decision is heading in one direction and you think it's not the best one, say fabric-wise or function-wise? I suppose it's different with everybody, what you, I suppose yeah. you have to gauge that individual designer. Yeah, yes, We've, that happens <laughs> yeah. more than once. Um, so <laughs> sometimes you, I mean, if you can, if I can see ahead of time, I, sometimes we get through the whole process and I, I go, uh-oh, that was the wrong choice, or 10 years down the line, bad choice, yeah. Um, but. If you see it and can, you know, you might say, you know, I don't think, I would approach a designer now differently than I did in 87, where I, you know, was really new and afraid to say anything, but with a few years of experience, I feel a little more confident saying, you know, I don't think that's the best choice. And sometimes they might say, I don't care what you think, you know, we're going to go with it, um, or suggest some other alternatives yeah. to them. Um, most designers we've worked with have been, um, you know, open to suggestions, but sometimes they want what they want. Sure, yeah. And it's hard to, uh, and, and you pay for it later. <laughs> or, you know, and the same thing with, I mean, some design is harder. Fabric choices are easier to, to, to maybe influence, yeah. but their d design choices is a little, a little closer to home. Yeah. So, uh, midsummer, we, we got the, Balance sheet midsummer in '85. We had the. Did we build the Karinska set ourselves? No, no. The Karinska set was um, Sandra Woodall. Okay. Um, and then, so '97, we're doing the new production with with Marty. And it, I know it's uh, with an experience you really remember fondly, and you mm -hmm. love the designs in Marty. And it's right. right to hear about well, that process and what what's special about. Well, we worked together on Cinderella in '94. Yeah. So three years prior, we we built Cinderella uh, that Marty designed for Kent's Cinderella, and it was um, we developed a great relationship. He liked the shop. He liked we liked each other. It was good, and he liked Kent and Francia, and so they asked him to do costumes. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he asked to do sets. I think he asked to yeah, do sets. He, he yeah, he did because he wasn't known as a set designer. And he hadn't really been doing sets, but he really wanted to bring, he wanted to see the whole vision. He wanted it all to be from one mind, so to speak. Uh, and they decided to set it here in the Northwest. And I remember Marty and Francie with books spread all over the floor of her office from, you know, with photos of, of the Northwest and flora and fauna. And it was, you know, it was quite exciting, um, those early days that they were working on it together. It was really, really, I think, Seemed fun, yeah. So um, you know, we we it, 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 we had a fairly long time to do that. This, you know, of course, down at the end, it always felt like we were 
had no time at all, but it, it was a longer build process than we often had. Um, and by that, by that point, were we building essentially everything in-house? We built most of it in-house. Um, there were, we sent out dyeing and some of the dyeing and painting and the heads for the donkey and for the hounds were all done in New York. Um, I, there was a, co a shop in town called Coffin Davis at the time and they, they did a couple of the lovers uh, for us and um, I think we had some other, the horn blowers were done out of town so we, we still didn't have enough to do it all, uh, enough time or enough people to do the entire show, but most of it. Uh, and we were, again, we were in several spaces. We were here we were here at the Phelps Center at the time, but we still were building it in several spaces. The tutus were over there, and yeah. yeah. There's not a ton of room next door once you get that no. uh, <laughs> uh, valley in that scope. No, no. So you need a lot of space. Um, it just seems very, uh, the production, I was just looking at the costumes before they've taken up to the dressing rooms. And uh, just the embellishments are so beautiful and the level of detail is really, really high. Um, I know that's typical, but it just seems especially uh, visible in, in these costumes. I think, I think these costumes are a little atypical. I think they're more de detailed than a lot of other things. I think the level of detail on the, on the motifs and the trims is, is because they were, they were pretty much trims made from scratch. Most everything and all the hand beating on everything is, is a level of detail that we don't see all that often. It's very expensive, <laughs> but it's um, you know it, you it, you can't find what what we built. You know Marty drew it and we could make it, yeah. and so it looked just like he wanted it to look, right. and that's exciting, you know. And there it, it's lovely. Yeah, it, it really does make him very special. I think. That, the dancers appreciate that too when they wear them. And the, each, oh, the, each, yeah, each the dancers them. love these costumes. Yeah. They're comfortable as well. Yeah. They, they find them comfortable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes toward what you said about, I know you work hard uh, to keep developing how you build things so that they work for dance as well as look good. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's the result. Yeah, they, these have quite a bit of stretch in them, and some of that's worked against us over time. Again, one of those things you find out ten years down the line with with some fabrics, but in all in all, it's 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 a lovely show and it's quite comfortable. We've had an opportunity to um, make some new versions of things this time around. Well, the the Titanias are both new, yeah. brand new, just finished after hours and hours of work by Magic Team, and. Um, they're beautiful. What goes into that costume? Um, love. <laughs> uh, it, they're hand painted, so they're they're laid out. Uh, Luna was the draper, and she laid them out. Wendy was the painter, and she painted them. You know, hand painted. I don't know if there was was there any airbrushing, Wendy. No. Okay, just oh, it's all hand paint. Um, uh, they're then they're put to their fit multiple times. I think Luna did mock-ups for first fittings, and then they were fit multiple times, and then the beating is all by hand. And Luna did a lot of that with Terry and Rob, and uh, <coughs> hand, uh, press on sequins all over the place and some sew on. Just, you know, layer of la layer on layer of color and variety and density and no, no density, you know. It's a, and we're looking to the originals, really, to, yeah. to keep that same spirit of, of 
what Marty wanted originally. And it all makes a real difference when you see it, even from a I far distance. I believe it does. And, and I believe there's a depth of, and, and a richness that comes across the footlights, yeah. even if you don't see the individual stones. Yeah. It's just, it's just beautiful. Um, we've uh, traveled a lot with this production. Oh, boy, yeah. Yeah, how is it to travel with? We've traveled all over the world with this one. Well, we must have worked fine. I don't. <laughs> we it was challenge. It was challenging. Some yeah. some of the some of the places we went. Istanbul was very challenging, and um, Hong Kong a little less so. Um, we took it to Sadler's Wells and Edinburgh in London, and 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 their Edinburgh Festival in Scotland, um, where we had various amounts of room and different kinds of machines and facilities. The facilities were never, we've got really nice facilities here now, and I have yeah. to say this is probably the best place we've ever played it. <laughs> um, yeah, touring in general, you, we sort of, I know we do We do all we can to know what the circumstances are going to be and what we'll have mm -hmm. on touring, but you, you never really know, I suppose. Yeah, no, uh, well, we've done advanced trips sometimes. We did it for the Paris tour last summer. True. We did an advanced trip, two advanced trips, and... I know for uh, Istanbul we did an advanced trip. Mm -hmm. Rico and I went to Istanbul ahead of time um, to see the theater, and um, you still don't really know, but at least you've got a better idea. Yeah. But you don't always get that luxury of seeing it in advance. You have to be kind of prepared to do just about anything. Right. Uh, speaking of doing just about everything, <laughs> you are uh, you work a lot of shows, and you've told me that's not necessarily. Uh, usual for someone in your position. But you're consistently here. We're, we're very used to having you here. That feels good when you're here, I know, for all of us, for the, for the dancers. And this, what, What's your thought on that? Well, you know, it's kind of where I started. It's why I fell in love with this business, mm -hmm. was being backstage. And Do people know what, what you do? So what are you sort of ready for? What do you, what do you have with you backstage? Um, well, we all do, I mean, I'm not the only one, but dressers and, and uh, Sherry Thompson, our wardrobe mistress, and Madeline, they have, we all have needle and thread and, you know, a pair of scissors and a flashlight and, you know, what you need. Um, but there's, a, you know, there's other dressers who can come in and help too, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, it isn't, it isn't something that's required of, of, of a, shop manager, I don't think, but I do like it, and I figure if I give this part up, why bother? So that's fine. <laughs> uh, our most recent big build was Nutcracker. Nutcracker uh, was big. Jules. Yeah, yeah Jules, of Jules course. Was, yeah. Jules was really big. Yeah, yes, yeah. very good. Different, two really different builds. Yeah, um, let's, before we uh, move on, I want to Talk a little bit about those, those being the most recent, and uh, sort of obviously building the Falcon or Nutcracker, we're in a completely different situation than we were back in 83. We still, we didn't, there were some specialty things, but uh, just like to hear a little bit about that. Of course, you already told me, but I think everyone would like to, to know a little bit about this, the more recent builds. Well, and very different builds. Timeline. The timeline on Nutcracker was was one of those that I think you're, it was a gift. It was that is yeah. seldom given. We had a lot of more time than 
than usual. Couple years? Maybe two and a half years we started really yeah. talking about it, but mm -hmm. two, it was about two years. And that, that, that alone makes, every, makes all the difference in the world. Um, we were able to really plan it out better and keep a pace going on it and get it, you know, done so it didn't feel like it was, uh, and, and, and do it all in the city of Seattle. That's it wasn't all in the shop, but it was all in the city of Seattle. And it was, um, you know, it was a nice project, a really nice project. And um, it came in under budget. I love that. Mm -hmm. Don't be yeah. afraid of <laughs> <laughs> Jules was a little tighter for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And we had, uh, but it's more typical of the full lengths that we've built in the past. His timeline has been shorter. Mm -hmm. And um, it affects you know, everything. Um, and it was, again, built all here in Seattle, but, yeah. but it was kind of a squeaker. <laughs> right. Beautiful, definitely. Of course, both of them. So. Um, let's stop a minute and take, take some questions. I'm sure there are things you'd like to know and like to ask, so let's do that. I'll try and uh, try and uh, repeat all the questions. All right, right in the back. Do you have a malfunction like Janet Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a warrior malfunction, quote unquote? Uh, not quite like that, but yes, <laughs> more than I care to think about. <laughs> Straps break, and there's, yeah, the one I always remember was, and I don't even know if I was there, but I heard the story so many times, I feel like I was, was the, the slip that came undone on Louise Nadeau's Commedia, and as she's turning, the slip just went, spiraled down <laughs> to her ankles, and she stepped out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, crotches ripping and all kinds of <laughs> it happens. It happens. You, you, you try your hardest not to let those things happen, but they happen. And you, you know, that's where the needle and thread comes in handy. <laughs> uh, right here, yes. I'm sorry, but I've always wanted to know this. Between the hot lights and the movement, they must get super. The costumes must get super sweaty. Do you breathe and hope for the best, or like how long, how often do you wash such delicate mm. items? Uh, some things can be washed every show and are washed every show. Right now we've got a lot of hounds still drying in the dry room and from this afternoon's rehearsal. Um, we hand wash, we do uh, a lot of machine wash. Uh, more things can be washed than you think. Uh, and we don't use Febreze. Uh, the only product we put on them is vodka, straight vodka. It helps cut the um, bacteria, reduces bacterial growth and hence the odor. Uh, but almost anything can be put in water. It's kinder than sweaty, salty, sweaty bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Most things come apart in a variety of yes. pieces to allow. When we build costumes, we pre-wash everything, pre-treated. Um, we don't wash uh, tailored jackets, wool jackets, you know, those kinds of things, obviously. But there's a lot that is um, very washable, and, and water is really the kindest thing you can do to a lot of things. And then things go, the things that can't be washed during the run get cleaned after. Right, we do a fair amount of dry cleaning. Something like a Sleeping Beauty required a lot of dry cleaning. It's very heavy, heavily built. Um, but we try to make things, when we build them in the shop, we try to make things as, and think about cleaning. That's one of the big things we think about. The designers 
Don't think about it. <laughs> uh, yes, back here. Are there any fabrics that you have learned to not ever use again? Fabrics not to use. Oh, we had one once, yes. <laughs> not mo not mo most things, um, but uh, there's a few. There was a fabric that was a silk that was woven so loosely in it, and then it was it, it had a finish on it that was, they said, fish glue. Uh, so you couldn't wash it, you couldn't get it wet, and it tore if you looked at it. <laughs> but, but the choreographer insisted on using it for the skirt. We talked about it using it on the skirts on the core, but he insisted on using it on the principles. And of course, they, they tore. They tore off in the middle of a performance, and strip changes in the wings. Talk about <laughs> not wardrobe malfunction. That was a good one. Um, yeah, I won't ever use that again. But <laughs> sometimes you have you have made choices to use more delicate fabrics because they're going to look better or move better. Just knowing yeah. that they're going to have yeah. to be replaced over time when yeah. you could have chosen something else. The Titania skirts are, are are silks that are just exquisite, and there's nothing like them. And they don't have uh, as long a shelf life as you'd like. You know, polyester would wear much longer, but it just doesn't move the same way. Um, no. There's some fabrics I'm more cautious about how we use them or where we use them, or I would be if I were choosing. But um, I think there's always new ones coming out too. And then your favorites disappear. The ones that you the source sources for fabrics are something that is frustrating because. Like many things, you find the one that you really like, and then they don't make it anymore. So. Yeah, yeah. Otto? By the way, were there um, a couple of dancers who were allergic to a certain dye? Oh, yeah. We have, we have one dancer who is allergic to dispersed dyes. Hmm. Not to paint, not to silk dyes. But, yeah, we just about killed him. <laughs> <laughs> He got. He had a very bad reaction yeah. to a costume that we went before we realized. He didn't realize it. It wasn't you know, intentional, obviously. Would have been somebody else. Um, We use a lot of metallics, and a lot of things have to be lined if they're really um, sensitive. Yeah, that's come up. Yeah, you know. Uh, yes, please. Did you find you had to make a costume for yourself so you understood what these dancers were talking about? Did, did you have to make a costume for yourself to understand? <laughs> no, I believe them. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, I mean, I don't move like they move, so it wouldn't really, it's that, that extreme movement and, the, and, and what they, the kind of torque they put on the costume that I'm not capable of doing anyway. <laughs> uh, I haven't slept for myself for years. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I think we're, there's certain dancers who are very, who are very good about explaining. I know uh, Patty Barker actually used to, was really helpful because she understood a little bit about construction. I remember she was good at giving some feedback on, on how things fit and worked for her. Others have been, there have been others who, who give good feedback. And sometimes you'll, in the process of developing something, you'll go down to the studio and so the dancer has more space to move and sort of see what it, how it, how it does. And likewise with stage lighting, we have a little setup next door with sort of simu simulates stage lighting, but sometimes also you'll just bring things over here and have yeah. a look. The, we have lights in the, in the fitting room, but they're not really the same as looking at something under stage lights here in the theater. It's a, a different and with the distance yeah. as well. We were able to do that a lot with Nutcracker, which was, that was really nice. Because we had time, we could come over here when we were in the theater with another show and look at some things under lights, and that was very beneficial. I can't remember that. Uh, back further, yes. Hi, um, I was a professional dancer, ballet dancer myself, and now I'm a costume manager as well. And can you tell me, where did the no type thing start? <laughs> Where did the no types <laughs> trend start? No, I know. There's there's whole reps we have with no tights in them at all uh, for the ladies. Um, yeah, I first encountered it probably in the '90s with with some uh, choreographers who were coming in who weren't really ballet choreographers, um, but uh, others, uh, younger choreographers who liked liked the look of of the leg without a tight on it, you know, the, the tights soften the look of the leg and, and the, some people like the muscularity of, of, of a dancer's leg, others don't. Yeah. I know that not everybody wants, some people like that, that, that softness that, that the ladies' tights gives to their legs. Are the dancers having to put rosin on their hands or anything so that, that they're not slipping on the we use a body adhesive, uh, but the they always the men always rosin their hands. They have for years. Yeah, it's just part of the game. <laughs> yeah. it, but it depends on the fabric too, and and what's you know how many layers there are. Sometimes it's not required. Uh, yes, in the middle here. <laughs> so what's next? And, well, you're irreplaceable, but uh, that's it. Um, I have a lot of plans for uh, retirement. My husband retired at the end of December. We have a new grandson who was born December 1st, and um, I've got a lot of ideas about what I want to do, and I've always wanted to do a little more travel, a little more genealogy, a little more uh, maybe volunteer work, and a little more time spent with my family. You know, I missed a lot of family time. So I'm looking forward to hanging around this little guy. Um, and we have hired someone for my position and I feel confident that she'll, she's gonna do a great job. I think, you know, it's, it's good. Time goes by and new, new things have to come in. And I, I, I think it's time for some new things to come in. New ideas. Did you like sort of train her then? She's a costume shop manager currently. Oh, okay. With a dance background. Oh, okay. 
which I didn't have when I started. I didn't have a dance background, so you know, she's ahead of the game there. <laughs> I think, you know, talking to you, you know, we've talked so many times, and it, that has been, I think, part of the uh, uh, recipe for success in the shop, too, is, is keeping things moving along and uh, looking for new ways and always sort of you know, striving to improve and find what, what's next. And so I'm sure we'll just continue that as we go forward. Just the next step. It's yeah. just the next step. Yeah, although it is, that said, it is hard to imagine. <laughs> but um, there we are. Uh, we must have some more. Yes, please. What, um, what was your favorite costume or costumes, plural, and also the ones that you dislike the most? <laughs> favorites and least favorites. Um, I think, well, least favorites, you know, I can't really, I'm not gonna, <laughs> that gets tricky, okay? <laughs> I can think of some we did several years ago in the, in the 90s that I worked, 80s, oh, they were 80s. Some unitards. The designer, I won't name any names, the designer wanted to cover everyone's face with a mask and, and have unitards that were um, um, velvet, dyed velvet with gloves and it just, they were, they were a horrible thing to do to a dancer, quite frankly. We didn't, we didn't end up with the masks or the gloves, but we got close. I can think of other ones I hated, too. <laughs> there was a set of questions that I designed I really hated. Um, so, oh, they were horrible. Um, I gotta say, Midsummer's some of my favorite. The Titania headpiece is my favorite headpiece in the world, and the Bergamont headpiece is my second favorite. Uh, and I love that Titania costume. You know, it's often the one I'm working on at the time. I either hate it the most or love it the most. <laughs> but but Midsummer is always a favorite. It always feels good to come back to Midsummer. You'll see that new Titania uh, tonight. tonight. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. I keep going down to the shop and looking at it on the table. It's just so luminous. Like spring's coming. You know, really nice. Yeah. Yes, please. Well, congratulations on your um, on your retirement. Thank you. It's really exciting. Uh, I'm wondering what was your or, what, or where was your love rooted in, uh, in in order for you to keep going all, all these years? With the art form, I love the art form. I really do. Um, like dance as an audience member. Um, like dancing, social dancing from early age, and um, my husband enjoyed, and I enjoyed a lot of dance in Portland when we lived there in the 70s. We saw a lot of, you know, Béjart and um, Nicolaitis, and a lot of a lot of dance at that time. And I just, I just fell in love with the art form and with the with the people, the dancers, you know, and they're always young. <laughs> keep cropping up and they're young all the time <laughs> and they have enthusiasm and they have a love for what they do and they work really hard 
And I think all of us who work at PNB, you know, many of us have that same love for the art form and for respect for the people who perform and the people who work for the company. Yes, Oh no, we keep them. Um, we have uh, actually in the lobby. There's a display of, of Morris Pavon costumes, and I believe we built those in the mid '80s, and we've used them every time we perform Morris Pavon, and it's going to be in Rep Six. They've been rented to other companies, um, and um, yeah, unless it wears out and needs to be replaced, or we keep them. Other other ballets that we own, we don't. We no longer perform. There's ballet. We have tons of ballets that we, you know, they were there once and that was it. Um, and we keep those costumes for a while. And if we can't find another purpose for them or don't see a purpose for them, we might sell them to some other company. Uh, yes. How many productions do you own costumes for? I've lost count, you know. And there's everything from a pot of dirt. We have, well, actually, you know, just, I'd have to go down the list. We have we have a list of our, you know, our inventory of our active rep, our inactive rep, what we used to own but don't own anymore. <laughs> um, but we have we have a huge storage. Um, storage is always an issue, of course, but. You yeah, know how many crates we have, do you? Oh, no, 50, maybe? I don't know how many crates we have. Crates full of costumes. Yeah, crates full of costumes. Plus, we have a storage facility on the east side um, in Bellevue where our school is. Sure. Um, how much altering do you have to do uh, in a production for that specific dancer? Or are belly dancers kind of, you know, there's like certainly a body type, but do you have to do alterations? Sometimes. It just depends. Sometimes. None, uh, if, uh, but sometimes a lot. Sometimes you have to take it apart, basically, and put it back together again. Um, it's all about casting, right, Mr. Bowl? <laughs> but sometimes when people are sharing something, there will be situations where an alteration needs to be made between performances. We might, yeah. yeah. We use a lot of you know various settings that you don't see as an audience person on the back of a costume to make it fit a variety of people. But yeah. Um, when something comes out again, you know, and our company's changed. You know, Midsummer was built in '97, and this is you know 22 years later. The size of the company is different than it was then. But it's been performed a number of times. A lot of things have been altered. In general, our our men are, are especially our core men, are taller, are bigger guys than they were in in '97. Sure. <laughs> well, M Marty picked the, Marty, uh, Martin Pacladinas picked the original colors that were based on colors that he, you know, the rainforest, he looked at the rainforests a lot of, of the peninsula, and, and so a, a lot of the colors that you see come from nature, from flowers, 
but he selected those colors. <laughs> no. I think you can really see it in the children's costumes, definitely. Yeah, they were a little brighter when they first right. started. <laughs> that was an early change, but um, yeah, it, it's there. It's maybe so, especially Act One. Act One is, is of course, the story, and that's the most it relates most to the to what you see in nature. done tours. Usually they're organized through our development department or marketing, you know, someone. Um, but we've had various tours for various times. You know, not, not all the time, but yeah. Let's do a couple more. Uh, there's a couple hands in the back. Sure. Costume Bible. Three ring binders. We have sometimes multiple three ring binders by character with you know tabs. So each each character has should have a section um, for and if they have more than one costume, you know both of those costumes would be included by in that character for a full length Bible. That's easy uh, or full length uh, ballet, but like a ballet that's not doesn't have a story or everybody's the same. It's a little different because then you've got these are your core costumes, and they look like that, or you know, this principle looks like this, or it really varies depending on the ballet. That's the hard thing about ballet inventories is they're never the same. Story ballets have character names, but other ballets, they don't have character names, you know. So the Bible for something like Agon would be, you know, 19 black leotards, let's say. <laughs> Yeah, some more back here. Yes, you've had to, you probably had to create costumes for some of the more modern dances. Uh, is that an easier process than trying to recreate uh, costumes for some of the more classical uh, ballets that you put on? Uh, it, it generally, it can be. I mean, the the uh, a lot of the modern work is stretch, you know, leotards and tights with with embellishments, say, and and they they are certainly simpler than constructing something like Midsummer or Jewels that are more uh, complex. But um, they can be they can be tricky too. It just depends on how simple, you know. Uh, if it's a just a leotard, that's not bad, you know. <laughs> but it's not as interesting either. All right, well before we go I want to say a couple more things. I had a opportunity to speak to a couple of the uh, people who work in the shop and, and here in the theater and wardrobe and uh, just talking to them about the uh, again the reputation of the shop and, and how they work and uh, what the atmosphere is like and two really wonderful things were said to me one was that um, uh, one of the women said to me you know you just knew coming in what was expected but at the same time it was uh, your work was acknowledged uh, everyone's working together to achieve the best they could, and uh, you really felt like you were enabled to do that. And the other comment was that uh, uh, the artists were allowed 
to do their very best on the costume. And they were allowed to follow through. They weren't cut off. They were allowed to do their very best. If they had an idea, they were allowed to take it and make sure that that costume was the very best product that they could, very best piece of art that they could create. And, uh, and you've allowed them to do this and uh, led that way. And I think that we've all, we've all benefited from this, whether we're in the audience or the dancer who's wearing the costume or people that work, people like me who work in a different department but see that, and that's very inspiring then for me to want to do the same thing in the work that I do, whether it's creating a casting insert or uh, sharing information about one of the ballets that you're about to see. So, Lori, thank you very much for all that you've done.